continue in our worship by reading God's Word, Matthew chapter 27, uh, beginning with verse 55, and ending uh, at the end of the book of Matthew, this resurrection account, and uh, give you a little time to pull up your copy of God's Word, your scriptures, whether it's uh, your Bible, or whether it's on your phone, or, or other app, um, as I said, this is Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we are going to pick up um, as Jesus Christ has been buried, and he has been placed in the tomb, and we pick up with the women who are there with him who've witnessed his burial, starting with verse 61. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb next day. That is, after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember how that imposter said, while, that he was, while he was still alive, After three days I will rise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead. And the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go make it secure as you can. And so they went and made the tomb secure by sealing it, sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he has risen as he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while, they, while we were sleeping. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded, all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Well, we began our worship service today with a very well-known Easter uh, liturgy, Christ is risen, and the response is Christ is risen indeed. Well, there's another liturgy that churches often use, and that is the Lord be with you, and then people respond, and also with you. And the only way that the Lord is with us, and we have confidence that he is with us, is if that first saying is true, Christ is risen indeed. And because Christ is risen indeed, we know that he is with us. And we saw that in our text today. I am with you to the very end of the age. To the end of the age, that's the last, those are the last words of Jesus Christ in the gospel of Matthew. And so Jesus declared that he is with you whatever you're going through. The, the effects of the coronavirus and the upheaval and the uncertainty of these times and, and anything else that you would go through in your life, the ups and the downs, the difficulties and the joys, Jesus has promised to be with you. Now, um, I need to say this. You might be thinking, Pastor, um, did you cherry pick which uh, gospel account of Jesus' resurrection uh, to kind of fit with the coronavirus difficulty that we're going through? And, and are you sort of cheapening it a little bit where um, isn't, isn't the resurrection about more than just sort of a psychological pick-me-up for those of us that are going through difficulties at this time? And of course, that is absolutely true. That's not the, um, the vital importance of the resurrection. The Apostle Paul said, if the resurrection didn't take place, then we as Christians are to be pitied more than anybody else. But in fact, the resurrection has taken place, and it has incredible implications for us, for all humanity, and for the creation. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. The Bible says he's the first fruits. That, meant, that means that like he was raised, we sh shall also be raised when Jesus Christ returns for those that have faith in him. And many, many other important aspects of the resurrection. But in the Gospel of Matthew, something that I chose to preach on weeks ago before the coronavirus ever hit, we find this emphasis, even the conclusion of the book, that Jesus Christ has promised to be with you till the very end of the age. Now, for those of you who um, are interested in how you understand the Bible, and you may be a believer in Jesus Christ and be interested in the Bible, or you may be somebody that is uh, simply not a Christian trying to understand the Bible, there's a... a there's a way that you can tell what a book emphasizes uh, in the Bible by looking at the end and the beginning. So when we go to the Gospel of Matthew and we go to the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, what do we find? Well, we find um, another concept highlighted that we celebrate around Christmas time, and that is what's called the incarnation, God incarnate, God the Son comes and takes on a human body and a human soul. And so of that, the Gospel of Matthew records that he shall be called Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. 
See, at the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, there's an emphasis on the fact that God is with us in Jesus Christ, in him becoming flesh, taking on flesh. And at the end of the book, after Jesus dies and is resurrected and is going to ascend, so he's no longer physically present, Jesus says, I promise I will be with you. He'll be with us spiritually until the very end. Now, how is it that Jesus is with us? Well, we see in our text today that Jesus is with us because he takes the initiative. It's not our intellect. It's not our, um, it's not our spiritual ability. It's the ability of Jesus Christ to come into your life, into my life, to bring us into relationship with him to meet us. Jesus Christ, on the night of um, uh, the, the night he was betrayed, he met with his disciples in the upper room, and right after the institution of the Lord's Supper, uh, he said this, uh, Matthew 26, 31, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Now, I want you to think a little bit about whether in your life you've ever had friends abandon you at your time of deepest need and how you responded to that. Well, how does Jesus respond to that? Jesus responds to that by setting an appointment with them after his resurrection. He says, but after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Oh no, Jesus, we'll never fail you. Jesus said, yes, you will. I know you're going to do it. But here's the deal. After I'm raised from the dead, I'm going to meet you in Galilee. We've got an appointment. We see in the text here that, um, that Jesus Christ reaches out to his people, uh, reaches out to the ones he's chosen. The Bible says that many are called, many are invited, but few are chosen. And it's not, again, a matter of our um, intellect. It's not even a matter of the evidence and we see that here in the text that there was much evidence given to uh, the guard that was in front of the, uh, the tomb and the, the chief priests and the religious leaders. And when Jesus was on the cross, uh, the religious leaders mocked him. Matthew 27, 41 and 42. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. They're saying, show us the evidence. You come down now and we'll believe you. Well, he didn't come down then, but he gave them plenty of evidence. Evidence doesn't change the heart, not in and of itself. Matthew 27, 62, the next day, that is after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, sir, We remember how that imposter said while he was still alive, after three days I will rise. 
Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead, and the last fraud will be worse than the first. And Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and they made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. And now after Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, how did they respond to this? This uh, incredible appearance of the angel and this uh, incredible uh, event of the earthquake and the stone was rolled away and they came too. And they said, surely this man must be the real thing. And they went back to the scribes and the chief priests and the religious leaders and they said, this is what happened. An angel appeared, there was an earthquake the, the, the body is, is removed. He must be telling the truth. And, the, and they said, yes, absolutely. Jesus, no, they did not say that, did they? While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if it comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. He presented the evidence, but the evidence alone does not change a heart. God himself must come to you. Jesus must come to you and change your heart. And we find that there was evidence presented to the women But the angel of the Lord said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. And then he was presented. Jesus Christ presented himself. And they met Jesus. And Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus Christ came to present himself to his disciples after his resurrection. Matthew 28, 10, And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go up to Galilee, and there they will see me. It was a reminder of the appointment that he had set up. Now, even some of Jesus' own disciples did not believe him. We read that in Matthew 28, 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. What's the takeaway from this? The takeaway from this is that Jesus, by his spirit, meets you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it's not because somehow you are smarter than other people or that you're better than other people. Maybe you're uh, particularly pure. Um, And so Jesus thinks you're a good person and he's going to come and show himself to you. Now, what we've seen is that's not the case with his own disciples. Jesus, though, set his affection, his heart, his intention to meet with his disciples and call them to himself. And he does the same thing for you and me. 
And if my relationship with Jesus, if Jesus being present with me in my life is dependent upon my um, lack of confusion and my uh, insight and my intelligence and my goodness, that at any point in my life those things are not there, then the presence of Jesus is questioned in my life. But that's not the reality. Jesus himself comes to us and meets us and promises us he will be with us. Jesus is God. Jesus is God with us. We saw that at the very beginning of the book of Matthew, and we see it here at the end. We find that Jesus is worshipped by the women. Jesus is worshipped by his disciples. And then we hear this about the baptism uh, that is supposed to take place. Matthew 28, 19. The disciples were to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now the word name there is not plural. It is not in the names of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's one name in which we're baptized because God is one. And so we have three persons, but one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the name of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Jesus is God, and we celebrate God with us at Christmas, and we celebrate God with us at Easter as well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what that means, it means that his spirit is with us even now as Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, that his spirit is present with us. Now, uh, you might have a friend who is with you, who is faithful, and uh, yet uh, can't help you because we as human beings are limited in our capability, but we find here that Jesus now has authority. He has been granted authority. And we read this, uh, when Jesus came and said to them, this is verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. There's no place in the universe that Jesus does not have authority and power. We read that Jesus Christ was conferred this in a meaningful way after his death and resurrection. We know that Jesus was king of kings and lord of lords, that he was, that he was in authority prior to this. But we read this particular language of him being vested with this, Philippians 2, 8. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is king of the universe. You know, you might take a, um, a flight, um, a spaceship. Elon Musk may send you to Pluto. And if he does that, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you wherever you go in the universe because he is king of the universe. And it doesn't matter where you are on planet Earth. Sometimes we can feel 
the presence of, we feel the presence of Jesus. Maybe Jesus is more here in this place than this other place. Maybe if only I lived over here, if only I lived in this city, if only I lived in this country, maybe Jesus would be more present. Or maybe Jesus is more present here. This is God's country, and I certainly wouldn't want him to move me someplace else. Maybe you don't feel like Jesus is with you when you're at home or when you're at school or when you're at work. The reality is that wherever you are, Jesus is with you. I've mentioned after college, I traveled around the country. I remember having the distinct feeling that, that, that God was more actively at work in certain places than other places. I went to uh, New Hampshire to start my journey, and I, I thought about Jesus, and I prayed that Jesus would give me opportunity to speak to people about him. And as much as I prayed, as much as I desired it, it was just very difficult. And I felt like Jesus and God was not as much at work in New Hampshire than when I went to Colorado. Almost immediately, uh, people in this area were asking me about Jesus and talking to me about Jesus and interested in, in more information about Jesus. So was Jesus more present in New Hampshire than he was in Colorado? Well, maybe with those individuals, but not with me. Jesus promised to be with me wherever I went. And he was just as much with me in New Hampshire as he was in Colorado. And the same is true of you as well, wherever you are. And our feelings, we can feel that Jesus is somehow more distant in one place or another place. But the truth of Jesus' promise stands that I will be with you to the very end of the age. Sometimes we think that Jesus is with us more in some times rather than other times. We think of times, right? Billy Joel sings, they say that these are not the best of times, but they're the only times I've ever known. I think of the song by the fifth dimension back, I think, in the early 70s. It is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. Some of you will remember that song. Then peace will guide the planets and love will steer the stars. Harmony and understanding, sympathy and trust abounding. No more falsehoods or derisions. This is the age of Aquarius. Man, didn't they get that wrong? <laughs> that was not accurate at all. It didn't turn out to be true. But we think in terms of different times, uh, we think of our own time, the time of the coronavirus and the fallout from that. We think going back centuries, the Black Plague and how difficult that would have been. Think about the time of the apostles. This was not an easy time to be a believer in Jesus Christ. All of the apostles, except for the apostle John, died martyrs' deaths. And Jesus told them up front that they would encounter difficulties. But even through the difficulties, he said, I will be with you. There really is just one time, one era, as far as Jesus is concerned. He says, I will be with you to the very end of the age. That age started with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that age will end when Jesus Christ returns. In all in between those two points, Jesus has promised to be with us to the very end of the age. And so we know that. 
And again, we can feel that there are times in our lives when it feels like Jesus is more distant. But the risen Jesus is always with us, no matter how we feel. There are times when we feel, um, when things are, are difficult, that Jesus has abandoned us. There are times when things are going really well, when we can sort of abandon Jesus because we don't feel like we really need him. I was really encouraged to see that our own Navy base here in the area has, if I'm reading this accurately, uh, in the newspaper has uh, designed um, not only one ventilator, but two different ventilators that can be easily um, constructed and put together uh, to meet the need for ventilators in our country. We need those ventilators when we can't breathe. We need assistance in breathing. And the truth is that Jesus Christ is every bit as important to us and more important to us that his presence is something that we absolutely require every moment of the day. And we require that uh, as, we, as we live for him, as we wait on him, as we trust in him, we need the presence of Jesus. And he's promised that he will be present with us in any time, in this time and when this is over, he will be with, it, with us. So he's with us. So when you feel that times are tough in your life, call out to Jesus, cry out to Jesus. When things are good, then um, in your joy, give Jesus thanks because he is present with you as a person by his spirit. And so believe in the promise of Jesus and understand that he gives us his presence for a purpose. You know, Jesus Christ, after his resurrection, theoretically could have stuck around. Um, he was raised from the dead, and he could have said, okay, disciples, we've just begun this process, and I'm going to go from uh, Jerusalem here, and we're going to Samaria, and then we're going to the uttermost parts of the world, um, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do a preaching tour uh, until the entire world is covered. He could have said that, but he didn't say that. He said, I am going to leave physically. And when I leave, I'm not going to leave spiritually. My presence will be with you. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. He's given us a mandate. And he's promised to be with us. He says, I have authority over all the nations. Therefore, in my authority, go to those nations and understand I will be with you as you disciple all nations. So discipling, as we disciple, Matthew 28, 20, we see that there are certain things that will take place. Those who are disciples of Jesus Christ receive baptism. We're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and that baptism is a sign of the new covenant, and among other things, it symbolizes our relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have union with Jesus Christ, and that union is symbolized in baptism, and then we also not only baptize as we make disciples, but we teach. We teach them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded. Now, Jesus 
has uh, taught us many things, but the first thing is how it is that we can have our sins forgiven and we can know Jesus and we can know God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said this in Matthew 20, 28. He said, the Son of Man has come to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the famous words of Jesus Christ in the upper room, Matthew 26, 26. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ came to offer himself as a ransom, to die and to pay the penalty for your sins and my sins. We justly deserve the wrath and the punishment of God forever. And Jesus Christ instead took that punishment for us, though he did not deserve it. The Apostle Peter, in his epistle, 1 Peter 4, 17, speaks of obeying the gospel of God. Now, we know that that we receive um, eternal life and forgiveness of sins as a gift. We don't earn it or deserve it. But Jesus Christ himself has come and has demanded that we repent and believe in him. It's not just a nice thought. It's not just a wish on the part of Jesus Christ. Jesus has commanded that we are to acknowledge our sins, acknowledge our plight before God, turn from those sins, confess those sins, and trust in him. And so we respond if Jesus, by his spirit, changes our hearts, opens our eyes that we see our need for him, and we embrace him by faith and put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's step number one in obeying the commands of Jesus Christ. But he taught many other things as well that we see in the Bible, in his Gospels, and through his Apostles. And so we are to teach all nations to observe the commands of Jesus Christ. And just as God came down on Mount Sinai and delivered his word to Moses, Jesus, God incarnate, came and delivered his word, words to us. And so we're to go to all nations And we're going to teach them and disciple them that they might know Jesus Christ, that they might believe in Jesus Christ, that they might do the things that Jesus Christ has commanded. When the apostles um, began this process, they were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ and of his resurrection. And as one commentator has put it, we are all now earwitnesses. And we we hear of Jesus Christ and we believe And we begin to grow in him and become more like him as we hear his word, as we think about his word, as as his word becomes part of our lives and our hearts. And we want other people to know Jesus Christ as well. And that's what discipleship is. Knowing Jesus, obeying all the things that he has commanded. And that's your role and my role to be doing this. Jesus is present for that purpose. Now, Jesus isn't simply present in our lives to enable us 
to disciple all nations. But that's the, the pointed application here that Jesus is giving. You know, Jesus said, um, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Now, when will the end of the age come? It's when Jesus Christ returns. And so as Jesus saying, I'm with you until I return, but after that, all bets are off. I'm not going to be with you. Of course not. But Jesus is saying, in particular, during this age, which will be filled with difficulty and trials, you have a mandate, and that mandate is to go and make disciples of all nations. And I will be present with you, and I have authority over all nations, even the entire universe. And so know that as you go, making disciples, that I'll be with you. Now, even in our coronavirus, even in our social distancing, we know that there are ways that Jesus is with us to disciple. I think of you parents and your children. You are discipling your, parent, your children. You're helping them be disciples of Jesus Christ. Don't underestimate uh, how God can work in you and through you, even at this time where you're spending maybe more time than you normally do with your children. And you might be thinking, I'm far from perfect. I don't know that I'm necessarily being a very good um, discipler of my children, but understand this, as you more and more understand and know who Jesus is, and you experience the grace of Jesus Christ, even in your ability to say to your children, I'm not perfect, would you forgive me? They'll begin to see the reality of Jesus Christ in your life as you disciple him. And we have the ability through technology uh, to um, maybe reach people that we've never reached before. And it doesn't matter whether you have gifts in teaching or gifts in serving. Um, as you go, as you express the fact that you know Jesus is present with you, that he loves you, that you've experienced his grace, that you have eternal life and you have um, total conviction that you have an eternal future with Jesus as you're able to communicate to your neighbors um, and others in your life, um, know that Jesus is with you in that endeavor that all people might hear and that we might disciple the nations. And so we are here in Bay County. We pray for Bay County. We pray for our country. We pray for the world that God uh, would use us uh, to be part of his endeavor to reach the world and make disciples. Um, an article by Marshall Segal, he writes for DesiringGod.org. He said, following Christ means making disciples. His words echo in the back of our minds. Go, therefore, and make disciples, Matthew 28, 19. Not first and foremost have daily devotions or give to the poor, but make disciples. We don't become a Christian by making disciples, but once we are in Christ, few things come closer to capturing the heart of our calling while we're still here on earth. We disciple in everything we do, so we should be intentional in everything we do to model joy in Jesus, and as often as we can to teach them how to find that joy for themselves. Mark Dever asks, when you step out of the hallway of this life into the room of eternity, what will you have left behind in the lives of others? Will we leave behind a bright but fading image of ourselves? 
our gifts, our interests, our successes, or a bold and lasting image of Christ leading to eternal life. And so I say this to you, even during this time, how is God using you to make disciples? Now, as we conclude, and as Matthew concludes his gospel with Jesus' last words, please keep in mind, he doesn't conclude with what you're supposed to do. He concludes with Jesus' promise, I am with you always until the end of the age. And so it does not matter what you're going through right now. It does not matter with what you've gone through in the past and what you're going to go through in the future. Understand this, that because Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he has received all authority and power, he promises and he will keep his promise to be with you until the very end of the age. And with that, we're going to continue to worship. We're going to sing, Behold Our God. Uh, Donald Given will lead us in that hymn, and let's sing together now. Mm-hmm.